When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. Zone. It's Wisconsin's most complete farm show. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, I'm hoping nobody's waking up with a frost or freeze report for me this morning. How are you, everybody? Fabulous farm babe Pam Youngke welcoming you into a Thursday. And it's going to be a warmer Thursday by this forecast. Partly sunny skies today will warm up to about 68 degrees. Overnight lows tonight, not much lower than 44. Tomorrow, some clouds, 69 degrees. Saturday, A few morning showers are possible, 66 are expected high, and then Saturday bouncing back up to around 72 degrees. Uh, Don't forget, always curious what's happening in your backyard as far as weather. You can share any of the details with me via our Midwest Farm Report talk text line. That number, 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Remember, the more you use that Midwest Farm Report talk text line, the better your chances that you could win a special weather station from us at Midwest Farm Report and our friends at Rural Mutual Insurance. Again, jot the number down and use it often. 877-301-FARM. 877-301-3276. Well, the big news yesterday was the World Ag Supply Demand Report, and it didn't hold a lot of surprises, but boy, did dairy ever respond to the projections of higher milk prices. Mike North with the Ever Ag Group out of Platteville is going to be our special guest this morning. And if you're thinking about heading to a Wisconsin State Park for the Memorial Weekend, well, you're not alone. That turned into a very popular outlet for people during the pandemic, and it's continuing into 2021. Our new summer intern, Michelle Stangler, is going to bring us an update on that. Farmers live and breathe conservation every day as they work with our natural resources. So they are in a prime position to lead the way towards solutions to environmental challenges. Farmers for Sustainable Food unites, inspires, and empowers farmers and others to create a sustainable food system in which farmers, their communities, and the environment thrive. Join them in their mission and become a member today. Farmersforsustainablefood.com Well, as we get rolling into the uh, midweek portion of May, let's talk a little bit about what's happening, not just at uh, the State House, but on the national scene. A lot of policy that's moving, a lot of dollars related to agriculture that's moving. We just hope, Bob, that it's moving in the right direction. Not just national, Pam, but also international. A lot of treaties we're working with, and how are they working? We wanted to find that out, so we talked to Paul Blyberg, Senior Vice President, Government Relations with the National Milk Producers Federation about some of these treaties were in place. And we're looking at the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Free Trade Agreement. And I asked Paul Blyberg, how is that agreement working for dairy? Well, that's a great question. Yeah, uh, getting that agreement through Congress was a big win in the last Congress. Uh, That agreement not only maintains our relationship, our trade relationship with Mexico, which is a very significant market for us, uh, but it also makes some improvements to our, our trade opportunities with Canada, both as it relates to uh, some market access provisions, but also the Class 7 pricing system that, that Canada had put in place a number of years ago. However, the key is making sure that we can actually realize those gains, which is the case with any trade agreement. And so, uh, you know, last 
summer, as implementation began, we noticed that Canada was implementing the tariff rate quota provisions, the market access provisions, in a manner that wasn't in keeping with our view of what the agreement was really intended to do. So we leaned very hard on the U.S. government and with Congress. I think we had one quarter of the House and one quarter of the Senate in a strong bipartisan manner, uh, leaning in very hard on the, the, the Trump administration to take enforcement action using USMCA's enforcement procedures. And late last year, uh, then uh, Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer took that initial action. Uh, since that time, we've been having very good conversations with the new administration. Obviously, uh, Catherine Tai has been confirmed to be U.S. Trade Representative, and we know her well and have worked well with her. We're excited that she's there. And of course, Secretary Vilsack, being at USDA, is very familiar with this. So I think we're optimistic that that process will continue now in the new administration. But are you seeing indications yet that this new administration is going to go after Canada on this Class 7 and tariff rate quotas? Well, I think, we, like I said, everything's new. Everything's early. We've had good conversations with them, and I think we'll keep it there for now. I think we're moving in a positive direction. As far as Mexico is concerned, one of the real concerns we have with Mexico and dairy is the geographic indicators, mainly with the, the European Union, which uh, got in there before USMCA was finalized. Have we worked through some of those challenges as far as geographic indicators, getting our cheese and other products into Mexico? Well, well, that's another issue we're going to be working for, working on going forward. There were some important side letters, you know, accompanying USMCA with Mexico on some of those issues. So, just as we talk about trying to, uh, you know, take enforcement action against uh, against Canada for things, we're, you know, following up on the Mexico side and trying to make sure that uh, those uh, those agreements are properly implemented is going to continue to be a priority. So it's still very early. Have we seen any effects, early effects of geographic indicators in the European Union-Mexico agreement causing problems with dairy exports into Mexico? Uh, maybe a little too soon to tell, but we can we can circle back on that one. All right. Also, we've got the Dairy Pride Act, something National Milk has been working for a, a long time on with the, uh, the FDA labeling of products as dairy when they don't come from a lactating mammal, goat, sheep, cow. What kind of progress are we making on that, not only legislative-wise, but in your dealings with the new administration and the Food and Drug Administration leadership? So we started to make some good progress last year. Uh, the House Energy and Commerce Committee, which covers health policy, held a hearing on the Dairy Pride Act, which was the first time that that happened, and we testified in support of the bill. And at the end of last year, when Congress completed work on the fiscal year 21 appropriations measure, they had some good directive language we were able to get in there, um, you know, directing FDA to finally take action on this within a certain amount of time. And since I'm talking to a Wisconsin station, I want to put in a plug for Senator Tammy Baldwin, given the work that she has done as the sponsor of the Dairy Product in the Senate, but also as a member of the Senate Appropriations Committee, the Ag Appropriate Subcommittee Chair, and the Health Committee, which covers this on the policy side. She's been really at the forefront of these efforts in the Senate and will continue to be uh, with the bill being introduced yet, yet today, again, as you know. Um, as to the new administration, uh, the president hasn't announced an FDA commissioner yet. So we don't know how that's going to go with the, with the administration because we don't know who's going to be you know, running the FDA. So once there is a nominee for FDA commissioner, you know, we'll be engaging with that person both directly and through folks on the Hill in Congress to try to uh, you know, underscore the importance of this. But since there's not a nominee named yet, there's not been that, that process yet. How frustrating is it dealing again with, with misinformation? Some of these products are saying that their products as healthy as milk as far as protein content and things like that, things that just 
aren't true. How tough is it to get around those things and make the people in Congress or even in the Food and Drug Administration realize some of these things? It's a, it's a very frustrating point, and, and it's right, because, you know, unfortunately, survey data bears out that people, in many cases, have an inaccurate understanding of the nutrition profiles of these imitation products, and it's something that we're constantly in the process of pushing back on to make sure that people have a correct understanding of the differences between, you know, dairy and these imitators that try to sort of masquerade under dairy's good name. But I think we're, we're fortunate that public health organizations have begun to make this point as well, uh, two years ago, a, a number of different public health groups put out a statement, a joint statement, on a number of different things related to, to kids' diets, and they made the point that, you know, for the most part, these you know, alternative products are not nutritionally equivalent to dairy and should not be fed to children in place of dairy. So having that point made by the public health community uh, is something we see as very valuable because th- this is, you know, not just a consumer information concern, this point out with the, the misinformation, but it is a public health concern. Since Mr. Vilsack has taken over, one of the things he has done is pull back the reins, so to speak, on some of the coronavirus pandemic programs, one of those being the Farmers to Family Food Box program, and he found some irregularities, so to speak, that he didn't like, uh, cost overruns, inefficiencies. He's put in the dairy, or we now have a dairy donation program, also a TFAP program. The effect of all those decisions... In the short run and the long run, as you see them, as far as dairy is concerned, Paul. Yeah. So I think I'd start with a couple of the things here. On the food box program, uh, you know, as we said last week when the end of the program was um, was announced, the program had been helpful last year. There's no question about it. But it did have its challenges. And, you know, as it related to dairy, obviously, there was, there was a wide difference between the amount of cheese and the amount of butter that was purchased. And that led to some, you know, unusual pricing challenges that we don't see every year and we're continuing to work on on solving those. I think the the heart of the matter is whatever program you use, we do continue to believe that robust purchases of all products, whether it's cheese, processed cheese, butter, anything like that, uh, continue to be made because we're not out of the woods yet as far as COVID-19 goes and markets are not fully back online. So, you know, we appreciate that the department has indicated that whether it be Section 32 or TFAP purchases or possibly other things as well, uh, you know, they're going to be willing to continue making product purchases and we'll be working with them to to get that right on on a number of different number of different fronts. I think, you know, in that same conversation comes the dairy donation program. The dairy donation program was created by Congress in the um, coronavirus relief package attached to the government funding bill that was enacted in December. So that was a very important thing. We had been seeking last year as well. Uh, Senator Stabenow from Michigan chairs the Senate Ag Committee, did the key work here to get this signed into law. Former House Ag Chair Colin Peterson was very supportive of this as well. So this is something that we had done via Congress, and we're now working with USDA to get it implemented, and it will definitely be a good part of the sort of overall donation and purchase landscape. I don't, But we, we don't view the donation program as like a replacement for the food box program. It's really kind of a separate stream in that it was something specifically created by Congress. And, you know, I think there's a lot of tools in the toolbox at USDA's disposal uh, for additional purchases. And this will have an effect on processors, the dairy donation program, as far as... Uh some of their surplus or excess milk, whatever term you want to use it. Do we do we know how this is going to work as far as the processors are concerned yet of of how they will be compensated? Uh, milk market. Well, we orders? know we know some. We don't know everything. What we know so far is essentially the way this program is going to work is that you know dairy organizations, whether it be farmers or co-ops or processors, they will partner together with you know food banks or other distributors and they'll donate products to food insecure households. 
from there, the way this is going to work is USDA will reimburse the dairy organization for at a minimum. And the reason why I say at a minimum is, is because USDA is still working to finalize all of the rules for this. But, you know, at a minimum, we can point to what's in the congressional statute from December that I referenced. Uh, at a minimum, they will be reimbursed for the full value of the raw milk. Uh, that was needed to make the product in question, which is a larger reimbursement than the reimbursement under the 2018 uh, Farm Bill Milk Donation Reimbursement Program, which was a good start, but it didn't have a, a, enough money attached to it to have the same impact that this new program is going to have. Uh, so at a minimum, we know there'll be a reimbursement for the raw milk. There could be additional costs covered, but we don't know. That's going to be pursuant to the rulemaking process that the department and you know the Office of Management and Budget will, will go through. How long will that take, possibly? Uh, could be the next several weeks, months. We don't exactly know. You know, there, there are a lot of different pieces of the COVID relief package that have to be implemented. Another one is the supplemental dairy market coverage payments that were put into the December package, which is very helpful from the standpoint of, you know, helping farmers get some additional payments if they boosted their production relative to their DMC production history. Um, so we don't know exactly when that rulemaking is going to be. Could be sometime yet this spring or early summer, maybe. Still a lot of issues for the dairy industry going forward. Paul Bleiberg with us to explain some of those. Senior Vice President of Government Relations with the National Milk Producers Federation. I'm Bob Bosold. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. The River Food Pantry, Dane County's busiest food pantry, celebrates 15 years of caring, compassion, and community. The River's Birthday Bash is Saturday, May 15th, with music, raffles, food, drinks, and goodie bags all served curbside. You'll take home a beautiful meal, enjoy music, a wine pole, and raffle, all from the safety of your car, and all while supporting Dane County families facing food insecurity. Go to riverfoodpantry.org for tickets. Celebrating 15 years of caring, compassion, and community. Riverfoodpantry.org. Often the road to home ownership can be uncertain, but by choosing the right mortgage company, you'll quickly get on the right path. I will make sure you have the best mortgage loan, the best interest rate, and lowest closing costs. You'll get the knowledge you need to feel comfortable about your buying decision. Educated Mortgage, the smartest way home. Call Dan, the Mortgage Man. NMLS number 222-652. I'm Dr. Linda Van Eldick, a biomedical scientist supported by the American Health Assistance Foundation. I'm dedicated to educating the public because it's important for all of us to understand this debilitating disease. I conduct research aimed at discovering new and effective treatments for Alzheimer's disease. This is critical because every 70 seconds, someone in America is diagnosed with Alzheimer's. That's more than 1,000 people a day. Preliminary data show that exercise, a healthy diet, and keeping your mind active may help reduce your risk. At our website, ahaf.org, experts will answer your questions and address your concerns. Find out about promising research the foundation funds and learn how to live with or care for someone with the disease. Call 1-800-437-2423 or go to ahaf.org for a free brochure on understanding Alzheimer's disease. That's 1-800-437-2423. 
sows, cows, plows. Heck, anything connected to farming's on the menu here. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, I started the show by talking about the fact that it felt like we were better off this morning as far as that frost-freeze concern than uh, previously this week. Now, Stumach Ag Meteorologist joins us. You said there are still some folks that are under a frost-freeze advisory this morning, though, huh? Yeah, the frost advisory runs till 8, and it covers a little slash from, call it, west-central to southeast Wisconsin. I mean, we're looking at areas like Trempolo, Clarkwood County, uh, Juneau, Adams as well, Monroe County in on there, as is Sauk, Columbia, Dodge, Jefferson, Waukesha, Walworth, all under that frost advisory till 8. But in those areas, the temps are, you know, around 40 or just in the upper 30s, so not as cold as it's been. High pressure, still a major part of the forecast. That high just a little further off to our east now will still mean a great day. Lots of sunshine and gentle south and west breezes, just helping to keep that mild air in. Temperatures ought to be almost like normal today, and that puts us in the upper 60s. Of course, the normal 71 at La Crosse, not quite going to make that, but there will be some mild air in store. Nothing to be too concerned by. We watch low pressure that's going to build in from the west, oh, heading on toward Nebraska and even Kansas as we head into the weekend. It could mean that rain chance we've talked about. Uh, the majority of rain, I think, stays in Iowa, parts of Illinois, maybe southwestern Wisconsin actually getting a little measurable rain. For the rest of us, some scattered hit-or-miss type showers. They could develop late Friday night, a little more likely a bit later Saturday, Saturday night, and some very scattered light rain, a possibility even on towards Sunday, with temperatures staying fairly mild. Closer to normal yet as we head through the weekend, maybe even then getting to be above normal into next week as some 70s look to show up. I'll have forecast details right after this. Farmers understand the power and the value of the sun. They understand return on investment. Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is an opportunity to get rid of that energy bill. Farmers understand taking expenses away. They they just get it. It's the difference between renting and owning. You are renting your energy currently, okay? Own your energy. It's a no-brainer. You are going to have that energy bill. You're going to. It's a known expense that every farm has. Put a solar field in, put a solar system in, and now make your own energy. It's a business decision, just another opportunity for them to look for that power and that value. You should reach out to us, and we will come out to look at your farm for a very specialized, specific quote for you. Even powering your whole farm, you can harvest enough sunlight to have a $0 energy bill. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com to start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. All righty, Stu. Pretty soon here, the dust is going to start to fly again. I'm glad you've got a little bit of rain in the forecast, potentially, anyhow. Well, there's some of that potential. It doesn't look all that great of a possibility, but at least it's there. Today, let's look mostly for mostly sunny skies. A few more clouds roll in in the south. Still pretty fine in the upper 60s as winds become west, even a bit southwest, about 5. Overnight, partly cloudy, and we drop to the lower 40s with winds out of the southwest at 5. Mostly sunny Friday, another beautiful day, upper 60s, maybe a 70 at La Crosse. Southwest winds at 5 to 10. Late Friday night, a small chance of scattered showers into Saturday, becoming mostly cloudy, let's say partly sunny to mostly cloudy. And there may be a few scattered showers around. Look for that temp around 66, mid-upper 60s, if you will. The south winds at 5 to 10. I'd say, Pam, right now, late Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, 
If we see a tenth of an inch or so in a few places, that may be about all there is. And nothing on the extended forecast either, Stu? Just that little hit and miss chance, you know, at least on into Monday, and nothing really good and concrete even after that. Is there anybody that's getting rain? Uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, they're still really dry. They're really dry. You head further south. I mean, Kansas, Missouri, and south, they could see a couple of inches here in the Mm. next few days. Wow. All right. Good enough. We'll catch up with you tomorrow, buddy. Have a good day. All right, you too. See you later. Stumach, our ag meteorologist, giving us the weather details that we're looking for. Uh, like I said, uh, hopefully better temperatures as we roll through the weekend. The catch is uh, not much of a prognosis for any measurable rain. We'll talk about the weather influences on our markets and yesterday's World Ag Supply and Demand Report. You stick around. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There have been multiple instances of scammers impersonating Madison police officers and detectives. A 27-year-old man told officers he was contacted by MPD officer Rick Foster and the caller ID displayed the MPD North District's main number. The victim was asked to send money through a money app. The victim later confirmed with MPD that this was a scam and nobody by the name of Rick Foster is employed with MPD. These types of calls are scams with people impersonating the authorities and conjuring up different schemes to people into giving them money. Remember, scammers can spoof your caller ID. Please visit the Federal Trade Commission Consumer Information website for more details on these types of scams and steps you can take to protect yourself. If you have any information regarding similar scams, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. Individuals contacting Crime Stoppers can remain anonymous and may be eligible for a cash reward. Just about everyone from all walks of life have passed through these doors, each with distinctive skills, dialects, stories, all with a couple of things in common, sense of community and the love of a comfortable spot to chill out. The Tasting Room Lounge, the perfect refuge to enjoy your favorite cigar, spirit, specialty beer, or wine, indoor or on the patio. Find your spot at the Tasting Room Lounge, West Broadway, Monona. You rarely think about it, and it often goes unnoticed until your basement or building floods. A reliable sump pump can be a lifesaver, preventing flooding by detecting water levels and pumping the water back outside, away from your home or business. If your sump pump isn't functioning, contact your friends at Benjamin Plumbing. They can replace your existing sump pump, floats, and check valves. They'll even upgrade your current system to include a battery backup system the battery makes sure your system continues to work in the event of a power outage. Away from home, receive pump activation alerts on your smart device. Enjoy peace of mind and improve the value of your property with an upgraded sump pump from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. 
When it comes to putting a room together, I'm brilliant. No idea where you come up with these things. You didn't put the room together. I can just scribble an idea down on a piece of paper and voila! You drew the room and handed it to a lazy boy interior designer. I don't know how I do it. These ideas just come to me. Your idea was to go to lazy boy. That's all anyone has to do. I mean, I'm not bragging. You're totally bragging. But a little planning and you could have a home that looks like this. Anybody can do that. It just takes a simple meeting with a lazy boy interior designer. It takes about an hour, then they take it from there. It just feels good to have it all come together like this. I can finally put my feet up and relax. You've had your feet up the whole time. It's time to order your custom designs for summer delivery. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. Every customer that drives into our shop is a preferred customer. Tom and Tom of Tom's Auto Center. When you need service, we automatically hand you a preferred customer card. It's good for specials and discounts like a free oil change. And a courtesy inspection. Tom'sAutoCenter.com Tom's Auto Center Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. Who was your hero when you were a kid? Whether it was Joe DiMaggio or Jackie Robinson. Rosa Parks or Sally Ride. Bogart or Brando. You're just the right age to do something important that you can be remembered for. Even if you're in your 50s, 60s, 70s, or beyond, you can register to become an organ and tissue donor. Surprised? You shouldn't be. Today, people of all ages and even with health conditions can sign up to donate the gift of life. And it's so important. Every age, every ethnicity is needed. If we all signed up, imagine the lives we could save. The families we could help. So whether you admire John Wayne or James Dean, Robert Redford or Roberto Clemente, Elvis Presley or Ella Fitzgerald, do something important that could make a real difference and change lives. Get the facts today and register to become an organ donor. Find out how at organdonor.gov or call 1-866-99-DONATE. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Brandon Woodruff, his stat line, he's 2-1-1 on the year with an ERA of 1.73 with 51 strikeouts. His whip is .77. Corbin Burns, 2-2, ERA of 1.53, 49 strikeouts. Still sitting on zero walks, if I remember correctly. And his whip... 0.55. Freddy Peralta, 3-1 and one on the year, 2.77 ERA with that big five-run uh, inning, uh, first inning against the Phillies. 61 strikeouts with a hip of 0.95. Yeah, those, all three of those numbers are extremely good, and you can't even ask them to be much better than that. No, you really can't. But you know who you can ask to be better? The freaking offense of the Milwaukee Brewers. Or what about this, Rowdy? Okay, the offense we've been bitching about, but what about the bullpen? See, at least I'm seeing progress with the bullpen. They're getting healthier now. Granted, Boxberger got absolutely slammed last night, and Devin Williams blew it in the eighth inning hey, to allow the tie. Once in a while, you need a good box slammed, Rowdy, but not when you're pitching in baseball. You feel me? And not when he pitches for the Brewers. Correct. Yeah, he got blown up. Every once in a while, you'll have that. Now, granted, it happened to be the same night that Devin Williams blew it and then Boxberger came in in the 10th inning and got hit around extremely hard. You blew it. But it's frustrating because that that game was still winnable because of where you were at. 
Yes, the offense absolutely stunk. They score one run. They they were one for 15 with runners in scoring position. They couldn't figure out a way to get teams in. But in that eighth inning, you still had in mind, well, I've got one of the best setup men in baseball in Devin Williams. I have one of the best closers and relief pitchers in Josh Hader coming in after him. Uh, we should be able to get this done. So obviously you're frustrated because they weren't able to get it done. But then you look at the bats and you go outside of that two-week stretch where they were they got really hot. They have been terrible. And they continue, and you can look it up. You can continue to look <laughs> at look all their up. hitting stats. Look it up. Everything. It's bottom five in Major League Baseball for like every statistic, it, whether it be hitting the baseball with your batting average, on-base percentage. You, I mean, you, you look at uh, hitting with runners in scoring position. It's it's frustrating, especially because they are 19 and seven. But when you look at if they just did those things a little bit better, they're probably in first place. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I'm looking right here and we talked about it a couple hours ago, but Jay Krebs, our guy says uh, he kept it really simple. He goes, the Brewers just have hitters who stink. Again, I don't know what else. So remember what else when they, to say. Remember the when Brewers they, just have hitters who stink. Remember when they struggled like the first two weeks of the season to score runs, and then that second, I guess uh, that second two week stretch. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like the end of that first month. The bats came around and they were scoring eight, nine, seven runs. It was for like a quick minute. Yeah, it was about a two week span, and we went back and we, because if you remember, they were scoring like less than three runs a game in those first couple weeks. Yeah. And then after that, that first month, they raised that total up to like just below, was it 4.7 runs, if I remember correctly, uh-huh. which MLB average is about four and a half per game. Yeah. So they were a little above average is when they got hot. I just did the math again through through the uh, number of games that they played. Rowdy's done they've the now, math. They've now scored 135 runs through 36 games that comes out to 3.75 runs a game you're back to well oh under God. that four and a half mark oh four and God. a half is that benchmark where you you gotta be what were the brewers last season they were super low <laughs> they i think they were around three brewers batting average right now as a team is 28th in the league that's not good 28th in the league now i will say this say it they've hit lefties all right <laughs> I think they're in the they're at the middle of the road against left-handed hitters. Okay, well, but they're that. they're in, or left-handed pitchers, but they're down at the bottom of the barrel against righties. Well, who's pitching for the Birds tonight? Woody versus uh, is he a lefty? I gotta go check. I don't know. Uh, let me see here. Loading, 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 loading. All right, Brandon Woodruff. Brandon Woodruff, excuse me, on the mound opposite of John Gant. No, I think he's a righty. He's a righty. Unbelievable, dude. Yep. Yeah, the Brewers ended up averaging. Last... Look, at, look at the hair and beard on this guy, though. The Brewers are below their numbers from last season. Majestic. Yeah, the Brewers right now. And a lot of people want to point the stinky finger at Andy Haynes, the hitting coach. You fall under that, or do you want to point to the guys like, you're the professional athletes. You're the one getting paid millions, of, well, in the Brewers' case, maybe half a million of dollars to do this. You're the ones that need to be hitting. Yeah, Brewers uh, average, or averaged in 2020 with that pitiful offense. 4.1 runs a game. Hang on, what? 4.1 in 2020. Connecting producers and consumers one story at a time. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Looks like it's going to be a nice day today. Partly sunny skies will top out around 68. Sunday is the warmest I see in our forecast. will bounce up to 72. I'm Pam Youngke. 
Now, from the Landmark Services Cooperative Agri-News Desk, here's what's happening on a Thursday. So today is the 13th day of May. On this day in 1989, thousands of students started a hunger strike on Tiananmen Square in Beijing, China. Uh, it was a nonviolent occupation. They were protesting corruption in the government, uh, talking about pro-democracy movements, and that was all well and good until June, when about 3,000 of the unarmed civilians were killed when the army cracked down on the protesters. Remember that uh, one student standing in front of that uh, tank as it came into Tiananmen Square? Well, it all started on this day back in 1989. Also, on this day back in 1864, a Confederate prisoner of war was buried on the grounds of Arlington House. And that has now become Arlington National Cemetery. That Confederate prisoner that had died at a local hospital was the first soldier buried at the cemetery, which is along the Potomac River. And right now it contains graves of soldiers from every war that the United States participated in, including the American Revolution. And it all started on this day back in 1864. On this day in 2021, we want to welcome in our summer intern, Michelle Stangler. She's from the Lake Mills area, currently a student at UW-River Falls, trying her hand at farm broadcasting and communicating about Wisconsin agriculture. You know, with the Memorial Weekend coming up, many folks are looking at ways that they can get out and enjoy a little family time. Now that the pandemic is less of a concern, more and more of our Wisconsin state parks are opening up for activities. But it could get busy quickly. Michelle Stangler, our summer interns, got an update on what you should expect if you're heading to a state park or campsite for the Memorial Weekend. Last year and this year, we are seeing more and more people wanting to explore the outdoors in our state parks here in Wisconsin. We are hearing from the Recreation Partnership Section Chief with the Wisconsin State Park System, Missy Van Litt. In 2021, our visitation over the winter through March has actually trended 30% even above 2020 and 2019. So people are still loving the outdoors. Uh, people are starting to travel a little bit more, but that also means that they're traveling more within the state. So we're definitely on par to see record visitation similar to 2020. So with more people exploring the outdoors, what can visitors expect in regards to any capacity limits this summer? Many of our properties, more than 40 of them, did have capacity closures throughout the summer. Uh, and we will be implementing that this summer as needed. You know, during the shoulder seasons like spring and fall, um, we don't typically see those closures, but on weekends at very popular properties like Devil's Lake, Kohler Andre, Willow River, um, places like that, at points if you venture out on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday, you may see some of those capacity closures. In most spots, that means an, anywhere from an hour to two hour wait to get in. The views in nature are priceless, but to the viewers who may not want to wait up to two hours, what are some good times to visit state parks? So weekdays for sure is obviously less busy. Um, and with more and more people doing remote work, we do have a lot of properties that have good cellular coverage and some where some of our concessionaires even supply Wi-Fi. Um, so going during the week is a great time. But if you are planning to go for the weekend, getting up and getting out there early, um, getting to properties in the morning, generally before maybe 9 or 10 a.m., you have a much better chance of getting in with no wait. Um, or actually going in the afternoon. If you're going somewhere... Um, 
maybe have an evening picnic instead of a lunch picnic and checking out properties um, after four o'clock in the afternoon. Then um, most people come during the day from that like 10 to four o'clock time frame. So early morning or late afternoon is better. So what should visitors expect when traveling and exploring the outdoors at Wisconsin State Parks? No, we just encourage people to know before you go. So check out the webpage or our social media outlets. Um, Just be aware of what you want to do. Plan um, your trail activity. If you want to do hiking or biking, know where you're going to go, what fees are required. Um, This year and last year, you can buy your state park admission pass online. So getting that before you head out um, or stopping and getting that um, at a self-registration station. You know, some places, um, usually every place should have restrooms and water available, but making sure to bring water and snacks. Um, sunscreen, obviously, as we head into the warmer months, but many people don't realize that ticks are out across the state right now. So having repellent, um, wearing light-colored clothing, tucking your pants into your socks, that kind of thing, and just overall being prepared before you head out for your visit. Thank you, Missy, from the Wisconsin State Park System with your insightful comments. From the Midwest Farming Report, I am Michelle Stangler. Farmers live and breathe conservation every day as they work with our natural resources. So they are in a prime position to lead the way towards solutions to environmental challenges. Farmers for Sustainable Food unites, inspires, and empowers farmers and others to create a sustainable food system in which farmers, their communities, and the environment thrive. Join them in their mission and become a member today. FarmersforSustainableFood.com We need you and your rain gauge. It's time for the Rural Mutual Rainfall Report, and we need you to text your rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Be sure and include your name and where you're reporting from, because every month we'll pick a winner that will get a digital weather station, courtesy of the Midwest Farm Report and Rural Mutual Insurance. Premiums paid here, stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. Yesterday, it was all about the World Ag Supply Demand Report. USDA is predicting lower old crop corn ending stocks and tighter soybean supplies. That trend is expected to continue into 2022. Mike Zuzalo, president of Global Commodity Analytics out of Kansas, says that it looks like USDA is predicting a rebound in domestic and international soybean stocks in the new marketing year really important to notice that the soybean ending stocks globally, they suggest are going to move up from about 86.5 million tons up to over 91 million tons. Now, we're going to have a lot more demand underneath us than we did two years ago, but we're getting back to levels that we hadn't seen in a couple years. And so when you look at the front end bean prices near $17, you see brand new record highs in the Malaysian palm oil market, and that has stimulated fresh record highs in the soybean oil market. I think in context of where we're at in prices, This does look like a report that did not feed the bull in terms of a tighter South American supply, keeping demand under tow and and keep it rationed until we get further down the line. Mike Zuzalo with the Global Commodity Analytics out of Kansas. You know, one thing that uh, I don't know that we pay a lot of attention to is what livestock producers are going to feed their livestock. Zuzalo says that one area to keep an eye on is the wheat harvest. He contends that a lot of livestock producers are going to switch from feeding corn to feeding wheat. USDA's numbers suggest, and I think rightfully so, a real shift from livestock feeders 
away from corn and towards the wheat to the point where it really does disrupt the domestic usage of the corn. So it's not like we're going to have excess supplies because we're going to pick up extra export business, I think. But if the wheat would happen to have any yield issues in the soft red or hard red crop, and if we continue to have issues on the weather front in the northern plains for the spring wheat crop and part of the hard red crop that is grown in the South Dakota region, then the wheat could actually become a fundamental support to the corn instead of a liability. And all of a sudden, the corn has to pick up feed demand that was supposed to go to the wheat. So this is something to watch here in the next 30 days because that wheat harvest is really drawing close. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Mike Zuzalo with Global Commodity Analytics out of Kansas. So an overnight electronic trade this morning. Markets continue to be in the red ink. Right now, we've got the July corn trading down 12 cents at 7.03. December new crop corn's down 7 at 5.86. July soybeans are down 15 cents at 16.27. November beans are down 18 cents at 14.25. And July wheat, despite that feed demand, down almost a dime at 7.20. Now, dairy went just the opposite direction yesterday. Uh, they have increased the price per hundredweight of milk that USDA is projecting for calendar year 2021, bringing it up about uh, 30 to 40 cents a hundredweight. Barrel cheese yesterday was up six and a half cents at 175 and a half. 40 pound block cheese went up four and a quarter at 181 and a quarter. Double A butter up three and three quarter cents at $1.85 per pound. June milk right now is up seven at 1971 a hundredweight. July milk, after a big run up yesterday, is down 16 cents in overnight trade at 1992 a hundredweight. So what is going on as far as our dairy complex is concerned? And did the World Ag Supply Demand Report and projections there have anything to do with the rally yesterday? We're going to talk all about it with Mike North from EverAg out of Platteville next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Stock up on all your spring farm essentials right now at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. From feed to farm supplies, hardware to auto parts to household supplies, you'll find everything you need to keep your projects moving along. Like Krylon Farm and Implement Paint. It's a great way to make older equipment look like new. Now 10% off. Hillman Steel Welding Stock in a variety of shapes and sizes. Now 10% off. Looking for a battery? Check out our battery center for all your power needs. We carry automotive, marine, and ATV, just to name a few. We also offer free battery checks in our automotive service center for your convenience. Plus, check out these great doorbuster deals. Take $5 off Blue Buffalo 30-pound bags of life protection dog food and pick up a Simpson 2800 PSI pressure washer on sale $299.99. Find your must-have items in-store or buy online and pick up in our convenient drive-thru. And now, if you order by noon, try our new same-day local delivery option. That's genuine value from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. There are those who dedicate themselves to a sense of honor, to a life of courage, and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this nation and each other. They still do. The few... The proud, the Marines. 
Shopping for that special someone can be hard. You want to make sure that gift is perfect. Jewelry is always a great go-to because it lasts forever. Place to go? Goodman's Jewelers. They have the best prices, something for every budget. They have incredible quality jewelry, one-of-a-kind pieces, diamonds, engagement rings, traditional and modern styles, and you can customize your own. Something for a Badger Packer fan? Goodman's Jewelers has it. A true icon in Madison, the city's oldest full-service jewelry store, is your family. Goodman's Jewelers. Farm goddess, agricultural princess, queen of all that moves. Nah, let's stick with farm babe. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. All righty, it looks like we're going to warm up today. Temperatures probably in uh, the mid-60s and warmer by the weekend. Probably heading up towards uh, uh, the top part, uh, probably close to 70 degrees. I'm trying to reach our friend uh, Mike North this morning for... Uh, our quick update on what's happening as far as dairy. Sorry, trying to reach him on his cell. We'll see if he answers. Uh, The bottom line is that uh, yesterday the dairy markets definitely uh, were on the high side compared to corn and soybeans. Uh, Dr. Mark Stevenson with the Center for Dairy Profitability said the only thing that he noticed as far as the World Ag Supply Demand Report was that they did actually uh, pick up Price, as far as the uh, markets were concerned, they expect now that the overall price for our fluid milk this year is going to end up towards the high side of eighteen dollars, probably around eighteen ninety six a hundred weight. So, like I said, that is uh, definitely uh, about a forty to fi- almost fifty cent improvement in their projections as far as uh, the fluid milk contract price for this year. But again, uh, world production is expected to be kind of going up as well. So a lot of different things that are going on as far as dairy. Uh, We'll see if uh, Mike gets back to me. (laughs) He emailed him yesterday and said I was calling and he said he'd be ready. Well, you know how that goes. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about some of the other agribusiness news that's uh, developing. We're keeping an eye on things as far as uh, the county fair season is concerned. Uh, yesterday, I had the good fortune to be visiting with our friends at the Stoughton Junior Fair. They're one of the first fairs that's going to be happening in calendar year 2021. Uh, they will unfold June 30th through July 4th at the Stoughton Fair in uh, or Mant Park in Stoughton. Uh, according to Joe Conant, who is uh, one of the fair board members of the Stoughton Junior Fair, he said that uh, they are... Uh, excited that everything is coming back together for 2021. No issues as far as vendors providing the rides or anything like that. Uh, Nothing that uh, they have to worry about as far as volunteers are concerned. So that's the good news. The not-so-good news is that uh, it looks like the city of Stoughton has got some, uh, well, let's just say plans for the fairgrounds and surrounding areas. Uh, It has been in development for a couple years. Joe said about the past five that he's been aware of. Uh, The first phase has already started, but ultimately, within the next three years, unfortunately, it looks like the Stoughton Fairgrounds might get displaced almost entirely. Now, there's current discussions underway, and that's a story that we'll be following for you and trying to uh, make you aware of over the next uh, couple of couple of couple of weeks i apologize i'm just trying to catch up with uh 
with Mike North. Doesn't look like that's going to happen today. Not getting any response on that side of things, which is fine. Uh, We're also talking today about uh, dairy farmers specifically getting connected with their vaccination. All farmers, for that matter. A woman in Pennsylvania has kind of made it, a dairy farmer in Pennsylvania, has kind of made it her personal campaign to encourage farmers specifically and their families and their employees to get vaccinated. Her name is Jenny Tilton, and we are going to be visiting with her today on how she, what obstacles farmers seem to face aside from the lack of time at this uh, particular stage of the growing season, and also maybe the stigmas that are out there. Uh, So uh, that's one of those things that, uh, oh, he's trying to call me, can't answer the phone, Mike, I'm on the air. And so, like I said, uh, we'll be talking with Jenny about that and trying to uh, get her a little bit more perspective on what's happening with our farmers and their vaccination levels. Already we know by the statistical information that's been made available uh, that uh, in rural communities, especially the white male conservatives, are uh, hesitant or not stepping up as quickly as uh, the Department of Public Health would like when it comes to vaccinations. And like I said, that can involve a lot of different elements. It might be uh, just a pure time and location situation. Today, uh, my TV partner here in Madison is going to be having a drive-through uh, vaccination clinic that's available at two different locations, including their television station on the west side of Madison. I just want to remind any of our folks that might be in that area, if you'd like to make sure that you can come in and uh, uh, jump in with that vaccination effort, you are more than welcome. I believe it's going to start at about 1030 this morning and basically continue through the afternoon hours. So there are folks out there, there are groups out there that are trying to make an effort. But I understand when you're in the rural community, lack of uh, transportation options and uh, just the pure hectic schedule that a lot of our Wisconsin farmers and their families face is uh, something to be dealt with. I do also want to remind you tomorrow we are going to be catching up with our friends uh, from Compere Financial, uh, chatting about uh, some of the different grant programs that are available Friday is the deadline for rural schools around Wisconsin to make application for up to $10,000 in grant monies, a one-time offering from Compere Financial. What they want to do is recognize rural school districts that have done an exceptional job during the pandemic of getting creative on how they are uh, basically reaching out to the kids and keeping them engaged in education. It has not been an easy feat in rural Wisconsin because of our challenges with the broadband Internet situation, because uh, you know a lot of kids don't have access to the Internet. Just a lot of different challenges that metro areas don't face. Again, Compure Financial making up to a $10,000 grant available to rural school districts in their trade area. If you go to Compure.com and search rural schools, you'll be able to find out about the grant application process. Uh, but again, I remind you, Mayfield. 15th is the deadline for that application, and we'll see if uh, any of our schools in our listening area happen to be the recipients. Also, Compure Financial uh, getting out there with uh, just some general grant monies available for general purpose improvements. I thought about a lot of our meat processors that might need a little extra shot in the arm financially. None of the uh, state-funded grants have been made available yet. We don't know where they stand as far as the state budget process, but Compure Financial now announcing that they're going to make some general grant monies available for infrastructure improvement for a lot of our agribusinesses. If you were somebody that was really negatively impacted in the pandemic or you see some changes that have to be made this year in light of the pandemic, again, Compure Financial is uh, welcoming your 
applications on that. Compure.com is where you can find all that. Well, we're going to have to find Mike North another day, I believe. I apologize about that, but I'm sure Mike is uh, uh, sorry himself that he's not with us. You can find more food news and listen to today's broadcast. Just head on over to MidwestFarmReport.com. Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook as well as Twitter. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.